You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. This is a new podcast combining discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. <laughs> I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. My name is Blake. My name is Justin. And we are two lay people, but we're both pastor's kids. Well, not kids anymore, but that's just the term. PKs. As it were. PKs. We're both kind of theology nerds. Neither of us are seminarians. Neither of us are ordained. Though I think we both did study theology in school. Both went to Christian schools. We did. I had to take basic overviews, worldview classes, that kind of thing. Yes. But no formal set-aside study. Uh, so we're not seminarians. We're not pastors. We are your friends. We are your friends from the internet. <laughs> Excellent. So, Blake, uh, tell me a little bit about you, who you are, where you come from, Asking why you're here. the big existential questions. <laughs> That's a good way to start a, a podcast on distilling theology. I grew up in a Christian home, non-denominational. I've always gone to church my whole life. And it wasn't really until my teenage years that I started to understand the seriousness of sin in my own personal life. It's not that it wasn't taught. It's not that it wasn't emphasized. It was just for me personally, it didn't click mm -hmm. until I heard a, a sermon on the judgment of God. And then it just kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And then right before I went away to college, I had another pretty dramatic experience where I realized the real grace of God and the goodness of God. Then I went to a Christian college. Then I went and lived on my own up in the Adirondacks for a few years, which are mountains up in upstate New York. Said that like everyone should know. The Adirondack Mountains, they're beautiful. <laughs> Everybody should know. Everybody should know. So I lived up there for two years. And when I lived in the Adirondacks, I worked for the Lake Placid Tourism Office. So I traveled a lot as their videographer and I spent a lot of time in my car. So I started listening to audiobooks. And some of those audiobooks happened to be by people with names like R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur and John Piper and later Jonathan Edwards, John Owen, John Calvin, a lot of Johns apparently, Martin Luther, Augustine. Named John. And it just kept going to the point that I got really into this whole theological thing and I started buying hard copies of these books and reading them. And now I'm kind of a theology nerd and I just enjoy talking about it a lot. What about you? Well, I also grew up in a Christian home. My dad is a, he was not always a pastor, but for the last 14 years, almost 15 years, I think has been a Wesleyan pastor. We are not Wesleyans, by the way, we are both reformed, but I grew up in a, in a, in a very theological stable home. My dad always was um, huge in theology and his understanding of scripture. And I kind of liken him to like a MacArthur Piper hybrid in the way that he preaches and the, just his passion with his, his incredible academic knowledge. So I was very fortunate to grow up in a home where I was always taught biblical principles, biblical values. But like uh, most PKs that I know, I went through quite a rebellious stage through my teenage years, doing a lot of things I should not have been doing. And it wasn't until I was, I think, 16 when we had a youth pastor living in our home before he moved his whole family here. Great guy, Big Bob, we called him. And he was talking to me in the presence of my dad about the gospel and how we've offended our godly father. And then in that same moment, I imagined how I was offending my own dad in the way that I was living and my lifestyle. And I just felt really brokenhearted in that moment. And so I prayed. And I believe that's when 
Christ came into my life and came into my heart. I didn't accept him. He blew the door down and walked right in and uh, totally changed my life. But for me, it's been a slow sanctification process. I slowly worked my way out of the the sin that I was in. It wasn't a radical overnight change for me because I I tend to be very stubborn. And uh, No way. Yeah, right. So uh, I'm a pretty stubborn guy. I like to dig my heels in rather than, you know, accept defeat. So it was a long sanctification process, but then I started hanging out with more Christian friends. And then I got into a Christian college as well. It was the only school I applied to. And I got in and that's when I really started to get challenged by other biblical worldviews and also non-Christian worldviews to really kind of understand where I stood on certain issues and what I believed and slowly just started reading and and listening to podcasts and a lot of YouTube videos. I remember one of the first guys I listened to actually was Vody Bakum, his sermon about how we trust the Bible. And then somehow I got into Mark Driscoll. I think he was a very angry man, and so was I. So I related to him in a lot of ways. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Exactly. I loved it. I loved uh, it. Some of us needed to hear it. I that, needed though. to hear it desperately. Yeah. And then that turned me into following Piper when he started interviewing him, Sproul. And then um, the rabbit hole goes down from there. Yes, it does. Uh, and here I am today, a lovely Reformed Baptist with the proper view of baptism. <laughs> we, we won't be doing any baptism debates too soon, but eventually we'll we'll get there. This isn't the Reformed Pub cast 2.0, despite some of the, the ideas. Are you sure about that? So what are you sipping there? This is Teeling Single Malt Irish Whiskey, the Spirit of Dublin. It's non-chill filtered. That's really cool. They actually have that on there. A lot of places, larger distilleries, even some of the whiskeys behind me that I really love don't say whether they're chill filtered or not, which is basically just a process to smooth the whiskey out. And then this doesn't say anything about whether it's colored or not, but I don't really care. It doesn't look colored. It's pretty light. Yes. I would assume it was colored if it was much darker. Just says it was bottled on November of 2017 and it's from Dublin, Ireland. And the distillery has been around since 1782 and it's a single mole Irish whiskey. It's a, uh, it's a tasty, so my introduction to whiskeys, since this is distilling theology, we also clearly have an enjoyment of the spirits, not just the Holy Spirit. So my, my dad, now mind you, I'm a dad, so you're going to hear a lot of dad jokes. I am um, not a dad, but I also love dad jokes, so they will be a feature. My, my introduction to whiskeys and scotches and bourbons and the like came from Irish whiskeys, Jameson, and then pretty much exclusively Jameson. And then I decided to touch Canadian whiskey via Crown Royal. It was okay. It wasn't (laughs) terrible, but it was the only thing different that I had. And then I started um, talking with Blake again after several years of not being in touch. And we started talking about whiskeys. And ever since then, I've been a huge fan of scotch, preferably the sweet Speyside goodies. Mm -hmm. Um, Belvenny Distillery is by far my favorite so far but yeah we'll convert you <laughs> so <laughs> after you become a baptist uh, fair so the, the idea of the name is twofold one obviously enjoying distilled spirits usually in the form of whiskey but also we'll probably branch out into other things eventually i don't want to pigeonhole us at the on the first episode and say we're only ever going to taste whiskeys but i got into whiskeys because when i turned 21 i was at a christian college where we were allowed to consume alcohol. We just couldn't consume it on campus and we couldn't be drunk. And since I was a small group leader, I was friends with the other small group leaders and with the resident assistants. So we all went out together and uh, I got introduced to nice cocktails and good beer. And I had, I was a barista at Starbucks at the time. And one of my friends was also a Starbucks barista. So he asked me, well, what do you like for coffee? Which was actually a great way to introduce me to, to sure. beer. Sure. So I was like, I like a medium roast, full bodied, low acidity. So we had me this you know, had me try this delicious brown ale. And then from there I tried 
a Kentucky mule. I didn't know that's what it was called at the time, but it's basically a Moscow mule with bourbon. Mm. And one of my friends is like, this is like a Moscow mule meets an old fashioned. And then a few weeks later, a different friend and I went out and I tried an old fashioned and it just changed the whole dynamic. (laughs) Changed the game. And then I went home, you know, that summer and I learned how to make old fashions. And I have basically slowly but surely, like I started trying different whiskeys with it. And then my uncle actually will do these things where we'll all gather up in a circle. He has this joke, pull up a chair and you grab a little lawn chair or whatever's around, set it down grab a glass and we'll pour the whiskey and we just sit in a circle, talk about whiskey, talk about life. And it actually, like, I really enjoy that. And now subsequently, years later, I am very much into scotch, whiskey, bourbon whiskey, rye whiskey. I haven't really gotten as much into Irish, Canadian, Japanese, and some of the other more obscure ones, but I love scotch whiskey for its complexity. I love bourbon for its warmth and rye for its spicy bite, like a caged age Calvinists. (laughs) But yeah, so this is my first time actually trying this tealing whiskey, so I don't have any I'm going in without presuppositions. Excellent. Supposedly. Van Til would disagree with me on that, but uh, anyways. Um, for the record, anybody listening, if you see the pictures of the two of us, you're probably going to have our voices mixed up. Uh, Mr. Deep Voice over here is the long-haired slender man and uh, myself with a slightly less bass style voice is the more hefty dad bod rocking bearded fellow. Let's say he's Thor. Yes. Dad bod Thor. Dad bod Endgame. Thor. All right, take a sip, man. Let me know what you think. The drink's kind of similar to some of the Highland scotches Mm -hmm. because of the malt. So it has that very malt cereal sweetness. I'm getting like honey and almost like, I want to say like cinnamon sugar, not cinnamon itself. You know what I mean? Like, Like cinnamon toast crunch. Yes. I get that in the front. Get that like honey sweetness in the back. Maybe a little tinge of pear. It's not super fruity though. It mostly strikes me as multi cereal, some of that cinnamon sugar, some honey. Very, very sweet, very smooth. I get kind of a honey crisp apple with it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the sweetness goes, I get that more in the nose and then in the first couple of sips. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's 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 a pretty smooth Irish whiskey. The reason I, I think I enjoy it as much as I do is because it's more like a scotch than it is an Irish whiskey, which again, I also prefer scotches over most. Uh, other whiskeys, though I do enjoy a good rye occasionally. Just for little uh, qualifications here, Blake is also a professional bartender. Oh yeah, <laughs> so he well, knows a thing. We should too. probably talk about like what we do. Yes, we talked about our kind of life story and why we're doing this idea. Actually, we didn't really get into why we're doing this. Sure. So professionally, and and what I do mainline, like my main passion is I'm a filmmaker. I've done two televised documentaries, one a short, one an hour long, one of them televised nationally. And I'm currently writing two feature screenplays and going to try and adapt some of those ideas into short films to produce. So that's kind of my main thing. And then on the side hustle, I'm a bartender on the weekends at a speakeasy bar in Albany, New York. So if you're ever in town, stop in at speakeasy 518 and uh, say hi. And it's always pleasant. I actually had a great chat with a couple of Lutherans who came to the bar and started talking about we were talking about Israel because I had taken a trip to Israel and then that transitioned into Jesus and that transitioned into theology and into the fact that I'm a Calvinist and that I read all this dense theology and then we ended up having this great, amazing discussion. But anyways, yeah, so I, I do have a little bit of qualification of spirits and, and mixology knowledge. But for me, the biggest thing that I love about whiskey is the social aspect of it hmm. is you get to sit around and like this and talk and, well, I get this, well, I see this. And in, in many ways, it's actually, this is super nerdy, but it, it's actually kind of fitting that we're doing this marrying of the two 
because when we come to the text, we all have our presuppositions, we all have our understanding from the rest of the Bible, plus our experiences, and we're reading something, and we say, well, this is how I'm understanding that, and this is how I'm understanding that. All right, well, let's submit to the Bible and look. Let's look at what other Christians have said about these difficult passages or difficult sayings, because there is... You know, in the case of the scripture, there is a right answer. Yes. In the case of whiskey, there may not be, you know, the right answer, but there is an intention, yes. which like some of these, you know, as we get through the podcast, I'll probably read the descriptions off some of these bottles that have them. The distillers do have an intention in what they're trying to present to you. And you may get subjective flavors, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like there is definitely, this is what we want. And sometimes all it takes is you to read that. And then you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. Yes. And I see that all the time at my bar when I'm mixing drinks for people or pouring them a spirit, I'll describe it to them. And they're like, oh wow. I see it. Like sometimes you literally just need someone to say it to you. Yes. And I'm a storyteller, so I'm always going to make these parallels, but that's a parallel to me in some ways of you know, like the preaching or, or hearing someone else exegete the word is like, oh, I didn't see that before, but it's it's there. And I was getting all this other stuff because I wasn't looking. The classic one being, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, yeah. right? Context. And how many times do you see people just say that <laughs> and they're like, you know, right before they go bench press 200 pounds yeah. or, or go like try and bomb a double black diamond <laughs> in, in ski season, right? And that's obviously not remotely what the text is saying. He's talking about overcoming no matter what the circumstances are. He can sustain because Christ is in him Yes, and he can continue in his faith because of Christ. And all it takes is someone to say that, like to just exegete the passage and show it to you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, that of course. Sense. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think the same thing with the, the wow, that, that tangent went on longer than I uh, anticipated. It's all good. <laughs> Speaking of being a storyteller, what I do primarily, my big passion and the things that I'm interested in is writing. I have co-written with my father a series of children's books. Over the last 19 years, uh, I'm 29, I was 11 when we started, and we started writing a series of children's books set in the Adirondacks. We, are, we have a family camp, so we really enjoy that. You know, we've sold a lot of books, we're doing, we self-publish everything. Um, so that's, that's primarily what I'm into. We like to go to different schools and teach and speak to kids about writing and reading those, the importance of those things, which I, I think is incredibly important in today's day and age, too, where people are always on their phone or they're always on a screen of some kind. So our two kind of missions are getting kids to read and then putting down their devices and going outdoors, which mm. we obviously, you and I both love. So we've been doing that for the last almost 20 years. And then for my normal day-to-day work, uh, I do network administrative IT support stuff in the school districts throughout New York State. I'm closer to the Adirondacks than Blake is. Um, I'm in uh, kind of near Syracuse area, so central New York, not far from the blue line as we call it. Because I love speaking and I love engaging with people and I love talking with people and I love reading and writing and storytelling naturally, I love that the way Scripture tells the entire story of Christ from beginning Mm -hmm. to end. A lot of times people think that Jesus is just in the New Testament and the Gospels and a lot of the shallow theology nowadays. And you can really, when you actually look at the text from beginning to end, it's all about Jesus, primarily the story of how redemption comes to us through Christ. And so I love that. I love the story that the Bible tells and the fact that it's a true story and a historical story for us that we can actually engage in and that it's like a living word that really always is impacting us uh, if we are engaging with it. So I love theology. I love stories. I love speaking. And so when Blake and I Blake and I actually met like over a decade ago. Um, I was at a book signing in up near Lake George. I think it was Bolton Landing. Bolton Landing. And we're up in the Adirondacks and I, I show up to the small bookstore and we're selling books. And I see this other kid out there selling a little uh, PBS documentary that he did. 
you know, on the first encampment. So we just kind of talked a little bit. We, you know, we met, we briefly talked and um, that was really it. And then flash forward, like 10, 15 years later, I was just getting into Reformed theology. I was just getting into Calvinism. And so naturally, like everyone else, I joined the Reformed pub Facebook group, which is probably a mistake. And just kidding. We love you, Lesson Center. <laughs> and I saw Blake's name come up on a post, and I thought, that can't be the same Blake. So I looked at his profile. I'm like, no way. So I sent him a message. We started talking. And the Lord used that to really bring us back together in, in friendship. And we've become very close uh, friends, um, both uh, just in general, but just spiritually. I think we we bonded uh, deeply with our love for theology and Reformed theology and blatantly just our love for God. Yeah. So it's been really cool. And we thought we kind of had the idea to do a podcast. We were on the pub again and we were just sipping this a couple of years ago. We were just sipping some whiskeys and, and talking to everybody about our whiskey and then just about who we were. And everyone who was commenting was like, do you guys have a podcast? Like you should do a pod. And it gave us the idea to do this. And so we figured, why not? Yeah. You know? I was just thinking our theme verse should be First uh, John 4, 1, but we're <laughs> only going to do B. <laughs> Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Amen. Who needs context? You know, to the, <laughs> who needs uh, context? As we sit there and sip the spirits. But yeah, to what you were saying, I think there's a plethora of awesome podcast content out there. We were yes. just talking about some of the ones we listen to, some of the ones we have listened to, some of the new ones, some of the ones that have been around a while. Mm. There's some that range from professional scholars and theologians to lay people like us who are just talking and. I think that's amazing. We're in this era of information where everyone can self-broadcast. And the fact that so many people are choosing to self-broadcast their passion for the truth of God and his word is kind of awesome. Like, I, I think that's incredible. And to have, have access to a variety of different theological backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So not only can we understand what others who are still within the realm of Christianity, what they believe, to really challenge ourselves and test ourselves to make sure what we are doing on what we believe is actually biblical when people are able to really challenge us in that way. And then we can bring that back to the text and say, does it really say that? Does it really say this? You know, where am I wrong, Lord? You know, how can I get my theology right? Mm. Because, uh, you know, theology, we, we, we understand that theology is not what saves us. Mm. But when you love someone, you want to get to know them as best as you can. In the same way, when you love Christ, he becomes the sole object of your desire and your affection. You want to get to know him as best as you can. And I think really, the more you study theology, it's it's just like perpetuates that love for Christ and that love for his word. And, mm. and it just keeps me in awe all the time, the more and more that I learn. And it keeps me humble yeah. <laughs> to, you know, Amen. I think I know a lot. And then I read something or hear something from one of these guys on a podcast. And then I crack open the Bible and I'm like, man, I don't know anything. Like, <laughs> And I was going to say, as we're talking about that topic, let's talk about like what we're reading these days. So right now, I've been slowly working my way through Joel Beakey's Reform Systematic Theology. I really Same. enjoy it. I think it's extremely readable. It's just my, I, I like to read it in a big chunk, which mm-hmm. is probably a mistake because <laughs> it's, it's taking me a while to get through it. Sure. But what I love about his approach is every chapter ends with doxology or with worship. Mm. and with a call to worship and a response. And I've actually taken the time to do those response questions at the end of each chapter, like to write them out, yes. because it's it's forcing me to reflect on what I've just learned. And ultimately, to me, it's just, oh, well, let's look more at who we're learning about, not just the intellectual head knowledge, because you can know everything there is to know. I mean, and the Bible tells us even the demons know and tremble. So just having right knowledge in itself is worthless 
if there's no love for God, if there's, you know, to quote John Piper, if there's no, yes. you know, delight in God, yes. uh, which it brings me to the point, I'm, I'm rereading Desiring God by John Piper, and I love it. I don't always love the phrase Christian hedonism. I understand why he uses it. Uh, I think he does have a valid point. A lot of the terms we use to self-identify as Christians who love the Lord are watered down by the fact they become just kind of Christian culture. Yes. So it's hard to distinguish. And so that term is very provocative. And I understand why people take issue with it, but personally, I think it's interesting. I, and I don't have a, I don't have a personal problem. I, with I don't it. even think it's inaccurate. I think it's a yeah. fairly accurate description of ultimately what man's chief end is, right. which is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Yeah, and I like that he unifies those two. But I, I know some people have complained about it, but I think his point is it, the way it's written in the Catechism. It's not intended as this dichotomy glorify God and enjoy him. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of a, it's a couplet. They go together. Yes. Like we enjoy God or, or we glorify God in our enjoyment of him. And he has that great, great quote from C.S. Lewis to the effect of joy isn't completed until it's consummated in praise. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have our enjoyment of something isn't fulfilled until we can talk about it. Yes. Like he says, you know, you come upon a, a mountain ravine and, uh, and it's beautiful beyond compare, but you have no one to share it with and no one to talk about it to it's saddening or you hear a great joke and there's no one to tell it to. Like it, mm. it doesn't, it's not as fulfilling. Yes. And so in us, it's like worship and, and adoration of God and glorifying God overflows from a new heart that we have. Like he, you know, seek the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, he is the desire of our heart. That's right. the whole, we'll get into that. I'm sure in many other episodes, but that's kind of what I'm reading that. And I've been rereading the book of Hebrews kind of on repeat right now, yes. which is just blowing my mind. Because I haven't taken time to just really sit through and like, I mean, I've read the whole Bible several times, but I haven't just sat through Hebrews particularly and reread it. Mm. I love how the author says we're, you know, we're moving from the milk to the meat. Like you got to be mature. You got to go from, you got to let go of this other stuff. You should be teaching by now. You know, let's move on from the elementary things into the deeper truths. And I posted on our Instagram, a photo of Oban 18 year old with uh, my little copy of Hebrews. And the joke was some extra maturity required because that's kind of the, the concept, right? We're moving from just saying, okay, well, we, we understand the basic gospel story that God created, man fell and sinned, God sent a redeemer, Christ died for our sins, and Christ is coming back to rescue yeah. people, yeah. which is amazing. And I can dwell, I mean, that's enough truth to blow my mind forever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, there's also God's so amazing that he's given us more to dig into. Right. And, and to give, and the, the deeper that I go into any of these specific areas of theology, and we can talk about those avenues of systematic theology in a minute, but the deeper I get into any one of them, the more it makes me adore the simplicity of the gospel story. Amen. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what are you reading, Justin? So my dad recently gave me a copy of Martin Luther's Exposition of Galatians. So I decided to pair those two things together. And I just recently started, and it's very serious. <laughs> Luther was not known for being a comedian. He was a very serious and many times angry person. But his understanding of Scripture is still incredibly profound. Just some of the things that he says and the, the way that he describes things is just very overwhelming. So I'm taking it very slowly and enjoying that. I am also working through the Reformed Systematic Theology, which I purchased when Blake sent me a link when it was on sale. <laughs> Amen. So I got that. And, uh, and I'm working through those right now. And then outside of theological books, I have just recently started rereading The Old Man in the Sea, believe it or not. I have a, a classic collector's edition 
uh, of The Old Man in the Sea, and it's been pretty much since high school since I read it, and I do remember enjoying it, so I started cracking that open last week, and <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. So That's awesome. Yeah. Ultimately, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. We hope that you want to enjoy the adventure with us. By all means, we are open to tips, uh, tricks, uh, advice, correction, criticism, comments, interaction of any kind. It's okay with me. <laughs> Affirm us. <laughs> but yeah, this is Distilling Theology. We hope you tune in next time we upload an episode. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Blake? I would say comment on whatever platform, maybe on our Instagram, on our Facebook, or if you're listening to this on an app that allows you to comment, leave us a remark of your favorite whiskey at the moment. Because mm. right now, well, I'll tell you what my favorite is in another episode. Oh, Oh, cliffhanger. Oh, I am on the edge of my seat. I'm going to do what's called a pro gamer move. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yes, we will talk to you soon. To learn more, visit distillingtheology.com and check us out on Instagram at Distilling Theology and Facebook, Distilling Theology.